0: I encourage you to open your Bibles to Isaiah 52, Isaiah 52, it's on page 522 if you're using the Bibles provided there in the pews, page 522, Isaiah 52. So Friday morning, as I usually do because I'm a procrastinator, I went into my garage and I pulled out my tent and my sleeping bag (laughs) and some gear camping and I, I got in my car and, and drove up to the Father and some camping trip and, and we, we had a great time. I, we got up there and we stopped in and out up there in Ukiah on Highway 101 North and and it was crazy. I, I, was, I was, you know, in my nice air-conditioned vehicle and I opened the car and it, somebody had just hit me in the face with a whole lot of heat. And it was about 102 degrees when we stopped for lunch at noon and we enjoyed ourselves there. And then we drove up up through Potter Valley, and then we got on this dirt road, and my minivan, I'll tell you, I did not know it could do the things that I may do this weekend, and we were jostling all around, and we got out to Lake Pillsbury, if you've ever been to Lake Pillsbury, and uh, we had an awesome time, but boy, you could see the looks on the men's faces as we opened the, the doors to our vehicles, and it was a, a nice, crispy 105 when we got up there, so, <laughs> yeah, we had, a, we had a really good time. And so, you know, I'm usually wearing socks and tennis shoes, but it was just so blasted hot, I said, forget this, I had to wear my flip-flops. I don't normally like to wear my sandals when I'm out of the campsite, because you know, if you've been camping, it's just dirty and dusty, and you got bugs and stuff, but it was just too hot. And so uh, my feet were just gross and disgusting when I drove, drove back yesterday. Um, and so, yeah, my, my feet were really gross, but it reminds me of a time... Reminds me of a time when I was uh, in, in college, and a group of college students, I went to a Christian university called the Masters University, and we went on a short uh, trip to go minister with a church down in San Diego, and so we went down there, and uh, we're doing some stuff, and we're talking to people, and, and then we do some uh, physical work, and so we're trying to clean up some of their... Uh, some of their scrap area and stuff like that just to clean up the property some. And there were these, these pallets that we were breaking apart. And, and here's this 20-year-old genius, right? Hey, you know, it's Southern California. We wear sandals in Southern California. And so I'm out here doing work, and I'm pulling apart pallets. And sure enough, I just step, and all of a sudden, I step, and I go, oh, ouch. And I lift up my foot, and sure enough, underneath my foot was a bloody nail. And, uh, oh my goodness, the pain was just indescribable. Uh, It did not go through my foot, thankfully. And some of you right now are probably like, la, 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 I can't listen to this. (laughs) I can hardly even tell it anymore. It was just so painful. And so then I, I, oh man, so I'm, you know, I'm walking around like this now. So I'm walking on the outside of my foot, and I'm limping around, and I'm fine, I'm fine, you know, because there's girls on this trip. So, you know, I can't, I can't, you know, be crying like I am inside going, oh, Lord, please help me. But I, we're walking around, and well, we had this great idea because, hey, it's Southern California. It's the San Diego area. It's cool to go to the beach and have a campfire and, and, and you know, roast hot dogs and stuff. And I'm thinking, oh, wait. Now, when you want to disinfect something, sometimes, like, good salt water helps, right? So I thought, well, the ocean, there's salt in there, Right. So I said, oh yeah, that's what I'll do. I'll go to the beach and I'll take off my flip flops and I'll walk around and I'll go just soak my feet in the ocean. Well, that didn't work very well because now, now it's like throbbing in pain. And so we get back home and I'm walking around the campus going to class like this. Hey, Matt, are you okay? Yes, I'm fine, no big deal, you know. Um, but after a couple of days, I was just like in tears. And my mom, who's a nurse, I called her on the phone. She goes, now, Matthew, Matthew, I, I heard that you, you stepped on a nail right? Because my friends are big mouths, you know, call my mother. And I go, well, yeah, mom. Uh, she goes, are you okay? I go, yeah, I'm fine. Come on. 20. What's the big deal? Right? Invincible. And she goes, well, Matthew, you better make sure that this, this, this foot of yours, you got to watch that thing. Because if you see any red streaks coming out of that wound, you better not even think twice. But You better go see somebody and get that taken care of. I look down. Hey, it's as white as it's ever been, mom. I got a white foot down there. Everything's fine. No big deal. But I, I was too afraid to keep looking underneath to see the wind. I mean, it was, it was bad and it was hurting, right? Well, I wake up the next morning and I'm like, oh man, what's going on? And, and I think I was getting in the shower or something. I look down. Oh my goodness. I see red streaks. Uh-oh. So where do you go? What, what do I do? And and thankfully in town where I was going to school, I remember driving whenever I'd go out and get a cheeseburger or tacos with my friends. I remember this great sign in the window that had this neon foot that said podiatrist. And I thought, ooh, that's where I need to go. And sure enough, sure enough, my wife, we were dating at the time. She drives me down and uh, it was just, it was not a pretty scene. This, this doctor looked at me and go, what in the world have you been doing He pulled out sand and pieces of sandal out of my foot. It was just horrible. But the pain finally started to subside. Being the idiot that I was, it took me forever to go see the podiatrist. But I'm so thankful for this man that took care of my foot because I think I realized at that time how important my foot was. I take it for granted. I walk on these two feet. I've been walking on them for 38 and a half years. I walk on them. I take them for granted. Right now, there's, there's no pain in them, thank the Lord. Um, but that day, there was a lot of pain. And every time I took a step, well, every other step. Every other step, I was reminded something is wrong with my foot. And I had to get that taken care of because we take our feet for granted. But they're, they're such an important in part of our bodies. Uh, so important that some of us don't just want healthy feet. We want pretty feet, right? So some of you... Many of the women, I won't ask which men, have gone to get pedicures, right? You go to get your pedicures. You've got to exfoliate, and you've got to moisturize, and you've got to massage, right? Get those feet. And notice I'm reading this here. I had to do research. I don't know what it takes. (laughs) What does it take to get a pedicure, you know? And then, of course, of course, don't forget the nail polish, right? How cute. You've got to have these just great, good-looking feet and these toes, right? Right? And then there's some of us that love to cover our feet with names of shoes. You've got to have those Air Jordans. And if, if you talk to any young person today, you know, what style Jordan, what, what year of the Air Jordan shoes that you have because I want my feet to look good, man. Those Air Jordans look sweet, right? So we care about our feet. We care how they look. Uh, and although, don't we, although we don't spend a lot of time examining each other's feet, thankfully, we don't just come up and shake hands and look down. Let me see those feet, you know. We, we don't do that, but, but yet we, we, we take them for granted because they are so important to us. And the Bible emphasizes the importance of feet. In fact, Proverbs describes feet as, as a way that they reflect the direction of a person's life. Feet direct, uh, they, they reflect the direction of someone's life. Uh, Proverbs 4.26 says, Ponder the path of your feet then all your ways will be sure. Ponder the fat path of your feet. Think about where your feet go, where they walk, because wherever your feet go, ha, you know, brain, uh, you know, here, here's a big, uh, uh, you know, revelation here. Wherever your feet go, that's where the rest of you are, right? Wherever you go, that's where you are because your feet take you there. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. And so the Bible is is, it emphasizes feet quite a bit. And you may be thinking to yourself, why in the world is Matthew preaching a sermon on feet today? But I, I think you'll see why. We see in Isaiah 52, verses 7 through 10, we see a description of beautiful feet. Beautiful feet. Now, I, I don't know about you, I, I don't usually describe feet as beautiful. You know, I, I look at my wife, I love my wife, but you know, the first thing that I'll tell you is, oh baby, you've got the most beautiful feet in the world. I, I just we don't we don't describe feet as being beautiful very often, uh, but the word of God does. And so uh, I'd like for us to read Ephesians. Uh, excuse me, what I say, Ephesians. I have no idea. Isaiah chapter fifty-one. Isaiah fifty-one. Ver- yes, we're going to start in verse seventeen of Isaiah fifty-one. And we're going to read uh, Isaiah 51, 17 through uh, Isaiah 52, 12. So follow along as I read aloud. Isaiah chapter 51, verse 17 says this. Awake, awake, rise up, Jerusalem, you who have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of his wrath. You who have drained to its dregs the goblet that makes people stagger." Among all the children she bore, there was none to guide her. Among all the children she reared, there was none to take her by the hand. These double calamities have come upon you. Who can comfort you? Ruin and destruction, famine and sword. Who can console you? Your children have fainted. They lie at every street corner like antelope caught in a net. They're filled with the wrath of the Lord, with the rebuke of your God. Therefore, hear this, you afflicted one, you afflicted one made drunk but not with wine. This is what the, your sovereign Lord says, your God who defends his people. See, I have taken out of your hand the cup that made you stagger. From that cup, the goblet of my wrath, you will never drink again. I will put it into the hands of your tormentors who said to you, fall prostrate, that we may walk on you. And you made your back like the ground, like a street to be walked on. Awake, awake, Zion. Clothe yourself with strength. Put on garments of splendor, Jerusalem, the holy city. The uncircumcised and defiled will not enter you again. Shake off your dust. Rise up, sit enthroned, Jerusalem. Free yourself from the chains on your neck, daughter of Zion, now a captive. For this is what the Lord says, you were sold for nothing, and without money you will be redeemed. For this is what the sovereign Lord says, at first my people went down to Egypt to live, lately Assyria has oppressed them, and now what do I have here, declares the Lord, for my people have been taken away for nothing, and those who rule them mock, declares the Lord. And all day long, my name is constantly blasphemed. Therefore, my people will know my name. Therefore, in that day, they will know that it is I who foretold it. Yes, it is I. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, Who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare His holy arm in the sight of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Depart, depart, go out from there, touch no unclean thing, come out from it, and be pure, you who carry the articles of the Lord's house. But you will not leave in haste or go in flight, for the Lord will go before you. The God of Israel will be your rear guard. Let's ask for the Lord's help and enlightenment to understand his word here this morning. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your word. Well, I mean, what a transition, even in this text, to see that there's judgment and, and grief and sorrow, and it turns into something completely different because of good news. Father, open our ears that we can hear good news that we would understand what your word says. Your your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, but often our ears are dull. So we ask for your help right now to give us open ears and open eyes that we would understand and apply your word to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Isaiah means Yahweh is salvation. What a name. Yahweh is salvation. God made promises to Israel all the way back to the father of Israel, Abraham and his sons Isaac and then Jacob. He made promises through Abraham that all the nations of the earth would be blessed through this family. And then later on, God promised that David's family would have an heir, a a king that would sit on the throne forever. But because Israel had turned their back uh, from trusting Trusting in idols to bowing down and, and worshiping the false idols of the nations around them, and because their behaviors mimicked those w- wicked nations, judgment was coming. Indeed, judgment had already begun. They were losing their independence from foreign rule to be subservient to wicked rulers as God's judgment. God had no desire that there would be any rivals in all the world to Israel, but as soon as they started turning to false gods, nations started rising up and enemies started challenging their independence. But the hope for this book, the hope for Isaiah, is that despite their sin and resulting judgment, Yahweh is salvation. Although this book was written around 700 BC, the chapters, uh, chapters 40 through 55 that we're reading from today, they assume that the Jewish, Jewish people would be exiled to a land that they had not yet been exiled to. You see, God was foretelling and saying, I'm going to judge you because of your wickedness, and you're going to be taken captive to a land that I had never intended for you to go. But because you bowed down and worshiped idols, and you did not behave according to my laws and my rules, I must judge you. And so this this doesn't happen for over another 100 years. God is already foretelling and describing the people that are going to be taken from Jerusalem and taken from Israel and taken to Babylon, and he's giving them a message. And so here the readers are in Isaiah's time, and they're reading about a people that haven't even been born yet. They're going to be living in Babylon under exile and under slavery and under captivity. But he's giving hope to that people. And so if you can imagine, if if you just read these pages, then Isaiah just put ink onto the page. And now you read and you think, wow, God is already planning hope. Isaiah says, yes, Yahweh is salvation. So although there was pending judgment coming, it was coming, and, 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 and more than 100 years later it did come, God was giving them a message of mercy. You see, he was showing the nation that although he was about to allow his people to be defeated in judgment by the Babylonians and taken into captivity, he was already proclaiming a message of hope and a message of salvation. Despite all the bad news about pending judgment, he was already announcing his plan of good news for his people. And we read, we just read it in Isaiah 51, verses 19 to 20. He says, these calamities have come upon you. Who can comfort you? Ruin and destruction, famine and sword Who can console you? And if it wasn't just bad enough that the adults, really the culprits in the land, those that should have been leading later generations to follow the one true God, but it didn't just stop with the adults. It it was affected. It was impacted also the children. Verse 20 of Isaiah 51, your children have fainted. They lie at every street corner like antelope caught in a net. They're filled with the wrath of the Lord, with the rebuke of your God. It is terrible, terrible bad news. And maybe some of you are sitting here today saying, that's how I feel today. I feel that all around me, all I've got is bad news, whether it's a medical report, or whether it's a financial situation, or maybe it's a, maybe it's a broken relationship, or maybe it's just the weight of guilt of knowing, I don't measure up. But you feel the weight of bad news. Israel and Jerusalem felt the weight of bad news. But that's not the theme of Isaiah. The theme of Isaiah is not merely judgment and bad news. No, it's this, that Yahweh is salvation. But look how this message of good news and hope comes. It comes, we see it there in Isaiah fifty-two, 2, 7. Let's read it together again. It says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Beautiful feet. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And these these feet are first, they first appear on the mountains. You see, Jerusalem is, is right in the middle of the hill country that goes from north to south in the land of Israel. And so you've got hills all around. So Whenever an army was coming to attack or when somebody's coming back with a message about how the war is going on in, in another land, you, you'd first see that, that person or that group on the horizon and you'd see them upon the mountains. And so this messenger that's bringing good news, you, you, you're waiting there and you're looking on the horizon all over. Is there any message for us? Is there anything that we could take hold of? Is there anything that could tell us how the battle is going? And you see it right there. On the mountains, on the mountains. And what do they see on the mountains? What, what is this vision that Isaiah has? How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've ever walked around for a long time, your feet get tired, they get sore, don't they? Now, now at this time, they didn't have Air Jordans or you know, hiking shoes, they had sandals, Or maybe even bare feet. So you can imagine these feet that that this watchman sees on the mountains are feet that are perhaps very dirty, dusty, soiled. Perhaps they're even bruised and cut and calloused. Nevertheless, this watchman that sees these feet says, these are beautiful feet. Beautiful feet. Well, if these feet are so dirty and dusty and bruised, and cut from this long journey. What is it that makes these feet beautiful? How could he say that these are beautiful feet? Well, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Those who are bringing good news, and and the word here is mabasser. And I love it because we've got some friends here at Valley Bible Church. That's their last name, Mabasar, and it means the one who's bringing good news, who who brings good news. What a beautiful name. But it says here, those who are bringing good news, and and really the better rendering is the singular, the person, the one who is bringing good news. It was a messenger who was bringing good news from the battle, and these feet were the feet of of dirtiness and dustiness and, and cuts and calluses, but it was beautiful feet because this messenger was coming and bringing news of what was going on in the battle. And listen to this message in Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful are these feet. They deliver good news and they proclaim peace. They proclaim peace. Really, it's shalom. You've heard that. That's the the Jewish greeting. That's how they greet each other. Shalom, peace be with you. Let there be blessing and peace upon you. And what this messenger, that's, what he's doing is when he comes with these beautiful feet, with this good news is he says, Shalom, peace, no more strife, no more war, no more destruction, no more famine, no more uh, sword, no more affliction, but peace, Shalom. The strife is, is going away. The war is ending, there's blessing, peace is coming, peace is coming. Well, these feet are beautiful because they proclaim a message of peace, but they also are bringing good tidings, and really this is just an emphasis. Again, it's the word mabaster, it's the one who's bringing good news, but this time it's with an emphasis of the good. It's really saying the one who brings good news of good things. Good news of good things. It's not just good news, but there's good things attached to this good news. Proclaiming, bringing good news, proclaiming peace, and proclaiming salvation. Bringing good news and who proclaims salvation. Who proclaims Yeshua. Yeshua. Salvation. Deliverance redemption for god's people the redemption that they were longing for in their hearts when is god's salvation ever going to come oh this messenger i'm hearing it he's got good news he's proclaiming peace he's proclaiming shalom he's proclaiming yeshua he's proclaiming salvation how beautiful are these feet We've been waiting for it so long. And friend, today, maybe you're sitting here today saying, I've been in a season that feels like an eternity of bad news. Where's the hope? Where's the good news? My ears are open. I want to hear it. Where is this message of peace and salvation? This is what they were waiting for. The long-awaited salvation from all of Israel's enemies. But, but that's still not the message, friends. That's, if you look right there, look at your Bibles again, Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. And that's a summary of the message. It's good news. And they're proclaiming peace, but they're not just saying shalom. Their message is a message of shalom. And they're not just saying Yeshua or salvation. Their message is a message of salvation. So what is this good news? What is this that's bringing us peace? What is this that's bringing us salvation? And and here is the message. Here's the message. Who say to Zion, your God reigns. Your God reigns. There have been battles going on all over this land. And there have been competing nations and competing religions going against each other. And we've been bowing down to idols. And we've been forsaking the covenant that God made with us. But I'm telling you here today, even though he's judged you, even though he's forgotten you, even though you think that the enemy has won, I'm coming here and bringing peace and salvation to you because my message is this, your God reigns. He has all the authority. Yeah, to God be the glory for that. He reigns. He reigns. He that deserves an applause all afternoon. But I don't think our kids can handle that. <laughs> yeah. Our God reigns. Now, this is a very exclusive message. He's not saying our God is one of the gods who gets to be sharing his authority and in charge of parts of this, this earth. No. This is a message of exclusivity. Our God, your God reigns. The one true God, the creator of the heavens and the earth that revealed himself to us when he delivered us out of Egypt. Don't you remember that, Israel? Haven't you seen the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston? Come on. You got to remember, this God did some amazing stuff and he delivered us. And that same God that delivered us back in Egypt, he's going to save us again because your God reigns. This is the good news that was brought by this watchman. And, and, and look at the watchman. Look at their response in verse 8. Listen, your watchmen lift up your, their voices. They're, they're saying they're, they're, they're on the rooftops of the walls of the city and they're looking out on the horizon. Is there any messenger out there? Oh, beautiful feet. And often the messengers can, you can kind of tell, the watchman can tell, is it good news or bad news? Now, you can tell if it's bad news. They're beaten, they're dragging. They're tired. But you can see that this this good news messenger is excited in joy. And the watchmen see it. It must be good news. He starts telling the people all over the city, listen, listen. There's a messenger coming, and he's got good news. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. You see, this isn't just a messenger coming. This is a messenger that's preceding the Lord himself. This messenger knows the Lord's coming and I'm running ahead of him and I'm coming to tell you good news. Your God reigns and he's right behind me. He's coming. Get ready. It's joy. It's singing. Burst into song, verse nine. Songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm inside of all the nations. His strong arm. And that arm in the the Bible is always an arm of salvation. His strong arm in the sight of all the nations. You see, this isn't something that's just going to be a a local message of good news. This is good news that the whole world's going to see. It's going to spread to the whole earth. Good news. Good news. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm inside of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. What hope, what blessing. Now, the nations still went into captivity, but they went into captivity with this message that said, I don't know how it's going to happen, but there's good news for our future. There's peace for our future. There is salvation for our future. And we're being taken captive by this wicked king, Nebuchadnezzar, and he hates our God. But no matter what king is ruling, this good news message that we have is that our God reigns. Our God is the king. So these kings could take us into captivity right now, but one thing we have to keep reminding ourselves is that we have hope because our God reigns. About 50 years later, as the Assyrians were ravaging the whole northern part of the kingdom of Israel and taking just about every city except Jerusalem into captivity to Assyria, Babylon would come later, but Assyria started to come down. Major enemy, terrible, ruthless, wicked. Nahum had a similar message. See, possibly he even had read the words of Isaiah And now he had a fresh prophecy for God's people. But he says in in Nahum chapter 1, verse 13 and verse 15, it says, Now, the Lord speaking, now I will break their yoke from your neck and tear your shackles away. Look there on the mountains, the feet of one who brings good news, who proclaims peace. You see, this started to become a theme for the people of Israel. They were looking for beautiful feet. They were looking for beautiful feet, but because of the people's sin, they were taken away to Israel, uh, Assyria. And because of their further sin, Jerusalem and Judea were taken away to Babylon. And although later, under Persian rule, the people would come back to Jerusalem, there was still this sense that were really never free. They really, although they had a measure of shalom, they really didn't have the shalom and the peace that set them free. And although they were saved in a measure, they, they really didn't get to experience all that God was promising them. You see, their songs were, were songs of joy, but they were more like a whimper rather than a shout. God's brought us back, but it, it still doesn't seem Right? We're still looking for beautiful feet. Where are the beautiful feet? Where are the beautiful feet that are bringing good news? You see, even though we're back in the land, we still serve other kings. You see, they still serve Persia. You see, then they still serve the Greeks. And then they serve the Romans. And they keep asking each other, where are the beautiful feet that are going to bring good news that our God reigns? Where are the beautiful feet? Where are they? And so they wait, and they wait, and they wait. Decades turn into centuries, and they're waiting, and they're waiting, and they're tormented, and they're afflicted, and they're waiting for good news. They're waiting for beautiful feet. Turn with me, if you would, to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. You're turning quite a bit, and just think about every page turn is more waiting and more waiting for beautiful feet. We have to turn all the way to Mark chapter 1. Now, remember, these feet are beautiful because they bring what? Good news. Thank you. Yes, they bring good news. And and they're waiting and they're waiting. Where is this good news? And so we read in Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, it says this The beginning of the good news. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare. The way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Now, John, is, is he's this messenger. He's, he's one of these messengers. He's coming and he's making a straight path for the Lord. And he's saying, hey, I'm bringing good news. I'm bringing a gospel of repentance and a gospel good news of this kingdom, of this reign of our God. Verse 4 of Mark 1 says, And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You see, John's walking around. He's got good news. He's got beautiful feet. He's saying, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins because I'm preparing the way for the Lord. I'm preparing the way for Yeshua. I'm preparing the way for shalom and peace. And I'm coming and I'm telling you, our God reigns and some beautiful feet are coming. And I love how he puts this. He says, one's coming after me and his feet are so beautiful. He's got such beautiful feet and he's bringing such a beautiful message that I'm not even worthy to get down and untie his sandals for him. Beautiful feet. Where are the beautiful feet? And so now Israel's starting to perk up their ears and they're wondering, Is good news coming? Are these beautiful feet coming? And and listen to this in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 to 15. Just look down further on the page. It says this: After John was put in prisons, John the Baptist, Jesus went into Galilee. Listen to this, proclaiming the good news of God. Saying this in verse 15. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is come near. Our God reigns and he's coming. I'm telling you, I'm here. Here it comes. The Lord is coming with good news. Jesus is this one who has beautiful feet and he's bringing good news. John the Baptist saw it. He said, his feet are so beautiful, I'm not even willing to get down and untie his sandals because he's a messenger that's bringing good news. Turn over with with me, would you, to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 48. Beautiful feet. Where are the beautiful feet? Israel is waiting. Where are the beautiful feet? Where is the good news? Where is this message that our God reigns? It says this in Luke 7, 36 to 48. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. You see, this woman recognized something. She was hearing this, this message, this good news message that sins can be forgiven. That, that the kingdom of God is coming and moved by the preaching ministry of Jesus Christ, she said, This is the good news that I've been waiting for. Got beautiful feet. He's got the good news that I long for and my people long for. He brings shalom, he brings peace. He brings salvation. I hear from him that our God reigns. And so, so moved by his ministry and the miracles and the words that he was saying, she got down. Now, obviously, I could not do this, right? <laughs> but she gets down and, and she's weeping and crying at his feet. These beautiful feet that John said, I'm not even worthy to untie these. But, but she worships at these beautiful feet and she wipes them with her tears and with her hair. How beautiful are the feet that bring good news. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he... Debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but the woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. He did not put oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Beautiful feet. She saw the beautiful feet of this good news messenger, and she got down and she wiped them. But, but you see, the Pharisee he wasn't looking for good news. He, he really didn't feel like there was really any bad news in his life. I think he felt awfully self-righteous. He felt like, eh, things aren't great, but I'm not that bad. Things are okay. But the woman saw the messenger. The woman saw the beautiful feet. And she got down and she worshiped. Jesus is one who brings good news, who proclaims peace, and proclaim salvation, and the one who declares the kingdom of God has come. Our God reigns. Turn over to John chapter 18. John chapter 18. We've got to follow the feet. Where are the beautiful feet? Where are the beautiful feet? So, so we know that Jesus has come as a messenger of good news, he's come fulfilling Isaiah 52. How beautiful are the feet of the one who brings good news, who says our God reigns. And, and John the Baptist testifies he's the one with beautiful feet. He's the one that's bringing this message. And this woman testifies with her, with her actions, this is the one who has beautiful feet. He's bringing a message that our God reigns. But it, it's a little bit deeper than this. You see, Jesus was certainly a messenger who was bringing good news, but in this conversation that he has with Pilate, he identifies something even more profound about this message. John chapter 18, verses 33 to 37, says this. John 18, 33. Pilate went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied, your own people, and chief priest handed you over to me. What is it that you've done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders, but now my kingdom is from another place." You are a king then, Pilate said. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth, is to proclaim a message. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. But what we see here, friends, is that Jesus, we saw John was not willing to untie his sandals because he was bringing good news that our God reigns. And the woman got down and she wiped Jesus' feet with her tears and with her hair, because she recognized he was bringing a message of good news that our God reigns. But Jesus here says, yes, I am bringing that message, but I'm telling you, I am that king. I am that king, and I have a kingdom. I'm not just preaching about a kingdom that's coming up behind me in the, in the future. I'm telling you, I am the king, and I'm inaugurating my kingdom right now in your midst. Jesus identifies himself as the king he is the king Well, what do we do with this king so jesus your beautiful feet you're telling us that the time has come you're bringing good news jesus not only that you're coming to tell us that you are that king what do we do with you we find what what they do with him in john chapter 19 verses 17 to 19 we've got to follow the beautiful feet Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Now, If you know anything about crucifixion, maybe you've seen it in the movies or in plays or described, you know that men, criminals, were hung on a wooden cross with a nail in either arm or hand and with two nails, or with a nail in the two feet. What do we do with this beautiful feet? We put a nail through it. We nail it to a cross. How beautiful are the feet of the one who brings good news. This king, these beautiful feet that were once wiped with tears and perfume and hair, are now bloody and nailed to a cross. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Lord, we've been waiting so long. We've been waiting so long for good news. We've been waiting so long for salvation, for peace. We've been waiting for this message that our God reigns. And here comes Jesus and he shows himself to be the one with beautiful feet. And in fact, he declares himself to be the king coming to reign, and, and yet there we see him nailed to a cross. Why? We've been waiting so long. Why? We can roll all the way back to Isaiah 53 near our text that we read earlier. This was God's plan all along. It says in Isaiah 53:5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, the things we've done wrong, the punishment that brought us shalom, the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds were healed. These beautiful feet, the intention of God, all the way back to Isaiah's time, was that this message that our God reigns would come, because the feet of this beautiful messenger would be pierced and he would pay for the transgressions of our sins. This was God's plan all along. This was the inauguration of God's kingdom being accomplished through a crucifixion that was undeserved. And that would be a sad story if that were the end of the story. If we follow the feet, though, we see that good news is not done yet. Turn over to Luke chapter 24. Luke 24, verses 36 to 39. Luke 24, 36 to 39. You've got to follow the feet. You've got to follow the feet. Where are the beautiful feet? Luke 24, verses 36 to 39. A few days after that crucifixion, a few days after the the nails and the feet, And after he's died and buried in a tomb, while the disciples were still talking about all that was happening, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Shalom, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking that they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and look at my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Jesus is coming and he's saying, yeah, you can look at these feet and there's still scars there. There's still scars because that's how I purchased the opportunity to be this king. That's how I I came to inaugurate my kingdom. But you got to know that these feet are healed. And I'm new. And I'm alive. And what Jesus is doing when he comes amongst his friends is he's saying, beautiful feet, gentlemen, are bringing you good news. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. Jesus comes forth. and, And if we follow the feet that we see, we see that good news has come. Salvation has come. The beautiful feet are bringing good news. And the beautiful feet purchased good news. And the beautiful feet rose from the dead. And the beautiful feet reign. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15 25 says he must reign until he puts all his enemies under, you guessed it, his feet. He must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet. Beautiful feet. How beautiful are the feet of the one who brings good news. But something happened to those beautiful feet. Something happened to those feet that came and announced that our God reigns and inaugurated that kingdom and and rose from the dead and paid for sins. And brought blessing to the whole nation. Something happened to those feet. As, as those feet uh, over Jesus, under Jesus, as they were there on the Mount of Olives, all of a sudden something happened happen 40 days after he rose from the dead. They started to lift up off the ground and, and ascend all the way to heaven. <laughs> and the disciples are looking there saying, where would those feet go? What happened to those beautiful feet? But you see, I, I think they were ready though. I think they were ready for those beautiful feet to go away because Jesus had done a, a very important thing the night he was betrayed. John chapter 13. John chapter 13, verses 1 to 17 say this. John 13, 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. He loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. drawing them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing. Later you will understand. No, said Peter, "you you shall never wash my feet. Same attitude that John the Baptist had. I'm not worthy to let you wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Listen now, Jesus answered, those who've had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that's why he said not everyone was clean. And now Jesus explains what he did. Why why did he wash their feet? When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger, the one who brings good news, greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You see, that, those, good, those beautiful feet of Jesus, they ascended back to heaven. But before Jesus, before Jesus ascended, he got down and he did something. He was perpetuating this good news ministry, this announcement of peace, this announcement of salvation, this announcement that our God reigns. You see, Jesus got down and he said, gentlemen, it's your turn now. I am beautifying your feet and now you are going to be the ones after I go to go into all the world and you're going to have beautiful feet because you're going to carry the message that our God reigns. That our God reigns. And that's what happened. After Jesus ascended, the apostles were filled with the Spirit and they started to go all over the place. Their feet carried them all over Jerusalem, all over Judea, all over Samaria. And they started to go to the ends of the earth. And they carried this message of peace and this message of salvation and this message of good news that our God reigns and that God is Jesus Christ risen from the dead Our God reigns. But we still have to follow the feet one step further. Turn over finally to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 15. Romans 10, 8 through 15. Where are the beautiful feet now? The apostles died two millennia ago. Where are the beautiful feet? Where are the beautiful feet? Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 15. Our final step with these feet. Romans 10, 8 to 15. What does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In other words, if you confess our God reigns, Jesus is the Lord, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe, verse 10, and you're justified. And it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and you're saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is, is Lord over all. Our God reigns. He richly blesses all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, friends, this was a message that was true for the Jews who were living in Babylon waiting. When is the salvation of our God going to come? This was the message that was true for the Jews under the rule of the Persians and the Greeks and the Romans. This was the message that John the Baptist was preaching and was proclaiming that the good one, the one with beautiful feet was coming. You see, this was the same message that goes all the way back to that woman and that she wiped her feet his feet with her tears and with her hair. This is the same message that comes through Jesus' death and resurrection and through the apostles and comes to us today that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And today, you may be sitting here saying, all I've had in my life is bad news. I want to receive this good news. It's simple, friends. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. And he purchased forgiveness, yes, yes, he purchased forgiveness for sins when he died on that cross and he rose from the dead and he said, look at my feet now, they are victorious, our God reigns. And all you must do today, friend, is call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved by Yeshua. You will receive shalom and peace. Good tidings of good will come to you and you could join us with shouts of joy and songs of praise. Won't you come to the Lord today? Won't you call upon Him? If you confess or declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. But it goes on. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach Unless they're sent, someone's got to go. Someone's got to share this message. Someone's got to deliver this good news. Who's going to go and tell everybody that our God reigns? Where's it going to come from? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We come all full circle here. Where are the beautiful feet today? Today. I think many of them are sitting under pews right here in this building right now. Beautiful feet. And I know we've been on a long journey this morning. I want to close right now. But what I want to say is this. Jesus is the one who's brought good news, but it didn't just end with him. He passed on this mission of bringing good news with beautiful feet, bringing a message that says our God reigns to everybody we know. Right now, there are some beautiful feet on this campus. They're in our baby's ministry in the nursery. They're proclaiming good news to little ones. There's some beautiful feet in the family life proclaiming to our kids that our God reigns. Are there people that would want to join us and tell kids that our God reigns? Every Wednesday night, there's some beautiful feet out at volleyball, uh, Tuesday night, beautiful feet at Volleyball Madness declaring to some young people that our God reigns. There's some here at Bungie Soccer on Wednesday night to our youth that say, Our God reigns. Our God reigns. We just heard a missionary come in and share in our staff meeting on Wednesday this weekend. He's a missionary to Liberia and he's going all over the place and guess what the message is that he's proclaiming? Our God reigns. I-, I didn't take a look at his feet, but I'm going to tell you right now, he has beautiful feet. Maybe there's somebody in this room today that says, You know what? There's somebody and another part of the world that needs to hear good news. And maybe today you're feeling the tug on your heart that says, I want to have some beautiful feet. I want to deliver that message that our God reigns. But there's somebody in your life here today, and and maybe we should just bow our heads right now and close our eyes, and, and let's just take a moment to think about, is there somebody in your life here, those who come to Valley Bible Church, those who call them followers of Jesus Christ, There's somebody in your life that you know that needs to hear good news. And the issue isn't whether the news is good or not. The issue is whether or not there are any beautiful feet that are going to deliver them. Think about those neighbors. Think about those family members. Think about those those people on the job, whether you like them or you don't. Maybe it's that boss that's really hard on you, but you, you know that he or she needs to hear good news that our God reigns. Are there any beautiful feet here? Beautiful feet. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your good news. Oh, we, we were dwelling in darkness, sin and death without Jesus Christ, but he brings good news. Uh, and that message is that our God reigns. I, I pray, Father, that there would be some in here today that would feel the call to say, I've got to get busy. This isn't just left up to the pastors or those who call themselves evangelists. This is is passed on to everybody who follows Jesus. We're called to have beautiful feet and bring good news. So would you move our feet? Move our feet today to get busy sharing good news that our God reigns. We thank you that you reign and that Jesus has come. It's in his name we pray, amen.